Jesus teach us how to pray. He has and he still is with his word and the help of the Holy Spirit. So at this time, if you are physically able, I'll ask you to stand with me in honor and reverence of reading God's word this morning. We read from Matthew chapter 6 and verses 9 through 13. And if you don't mind, we haven't done this as of yet, I don't believe. Why don't we read this aloud in unison together? Ready? Let's begin. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Heavenly Father, today I ask that you would tune me as an instrument, that I would sing forth your greatness and your glory, that you are so deserving of the praise that we give unto you. And Lord, that you would tune my tongue and my mind and my spirit, Lord, all in one, to deliver unto your people your word. And Lord, I also pray for the hearers today, would you tune their hearts as well to sing your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, at the last of this series, with the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And today we will look at, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This was the reason, if you remember some of you that were here last week, or many of you, that I said I was jumping ahead of you in your Sunday school material in Bible study. This is the reason why I jumped ahead of you. I desired to preach on this doxology, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The older manuscript copies of the inspired word do not have these words. Uh, you will see that in, in uh, other translations. They have a footnote that in some of the older manuscripts, those words uh, were not in. Some were, a very few. But it seems those words or these words were added possibly by translators to bring a close to what seemed an abruptness to the Lord's Prayer. And probably they might not be inspired by Matthew's recording or Jesus' teaching. However, I felt led to discuss these words. And, and listen, I'm not going to sit here and debate today whether they were Christ's words or Matthew's uh, words inspired, but to discuss their appropriateness in our lives as prayers of doxology is a common theme throughout the Bible. And therefore, it should be a common theme in our Christian life. When we say doxology, we mean this. A form of praise to God. To speak or to sing praises to God. In our Baptist hymnal, we have had the doxology. And we, many of us have sung that for many years of our life. But there is a doxology upon the hearts and the 
lips of a Christian that should be there, it should be present, that there is a form of praise to God. Whether we are speaking it or singing it, we are praising God. Some have referred to these words, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, uh, have referred to this as David's doxology. Speaking of King David's, because of its similarity of a prayer of praise found in First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 11, where King David says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. What a beautiful doxology of King David. No doubt inspiring these words found in our text today. Beloved prayers of the saints need a doxology. We have spoken of prayer. Our prayers need to be seasoned with praise. The Christian life is to be lived with doxology. Praising God. This should be our story. This should be our song. Praising our Savior all the day long. Doxology must be lived out in a healthy church. That we are a church and a local body that praises God for His greatness and goodness. One day when the kingdom does come in full and the power and glory of the Lord is revealed, we are told that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. They will bow to Him and give Him praise. Beloved, listen to me this morning. A life that has no doxology, a church that has little or no genuine doxology is a spiritually dead life, is a spiritually dead church. This is not a matter if we sing what we know in the Baptist hymnal as the doxology, but rather do we participate in doxology? Do we praise God for His glory, His power, His kingdom? Do we participate in doxology? Do we live a life that shows forth the praises of God? Do we pray with doxology? Are our prayers seasoned with praise? Spoken praise to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Listen, there is little power in our piety when there is little praise in our prayer. In other words, simply put, little praise, little power. And that is one of the great reasons why many Christians, including myself, have experienced little power at times because there have been little praise coming out of our life and mouth. When you speak, what takes precedence or when you pray, problems or praise? What takes precedence? And I'm not saying that we don't, we don't deliver our problems to God. Certainly we have been taught in the model prayer to do so. To ask for our daily bread. To ask for forgiveness and cleansing of sin. To ask for strength to overcome temptation. And a way out of temptation. But if your speech and living and prayers speak more of our problems than our praise, then our faith life is unbalanced. 
And our unbalanced faith is revealed not only to God, but also to ourselves, but also to others, beloved. People know when we are a a person that speaks more problems than praise, and especially when we claim to be Christians. We have so much to give Him praise for. We have so much to give Him glory for. Beloved, I just want you to know this. I don't understand all this, and I know there have been books written by this, but I don't know how better to say it than just to say this. There is a supernatural power in praise. There is a supernatural power in praise. When the Holy Spirit wells up inside you and you praise the Father. When you praise the Son. When you praise the Holy Spirit. When you're in pain. When you're lonely. When you're hurting. When you're frustrated. When you're disgusted. And you begin to praise God. Led by the Spirit of God. There is power in the person of God. It's an amazing supernatural thing. Matthew Henry, the great Puritan commentator, said this, The best pleading with God is praising of Him. We must have doxology in our lives for several reasons. I note just a few this morning. One, simply, it is good, it is pleasant, and it is beautiful. Psalm 147 One says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Praise is beautiful, isn't it? Praise is beautiful. It is good. It is pleasant. Don't you like to be in the presence of someone that sings praises? There's goodness flowing out of their life. There's pleasantness in their presence. There is beauty just oozing out of them because even in the midst of struggle and turmoil in their life, they're praising God. And they not only praise God, they lift the spirits of other saints. It's beautiful. It's comely of the Christians to praise Him. It is good. It is pleasant. It is beautiful. Why? Because it reveals our love and devotion to God. Not only that we have a God that we need Him to give us stuff, But we have a God that because He is so great, because He's so wonderful, because He's so powerful, because He's so glorious, we need to give Him praise. We reveal our love and devotion to Him in the good times as well as the bad times. And especially in the bad times. As the wonderful old song says, For the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. We have the same God and we should praise Him in both circumstances. Not only does it reveal our love and devotion to God, but we need to to give a doxology to God, not because He needs it to boost His ego, but because He deserves it. He is worthy of praise. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of glory. He is the all-powerful God. He has the everlasting kingdom. His power will bring forth and His glory will be revealed to all the earth one day. He deserves our glory no matter what. Thirdly, it's because it's what's happening in heaven now. And Jesus has taught us earlier in this prayer 
to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. Well, beloved, there's a whole lot of praising going on in heaven right now. So when we begin our spoken or our sung praises below, we're living out heaven on earth. As I said, there's power in praise. Heaven is opened unto us. God is enthroned upon the praises of His people, as the psalmist told us. When we give God praise, God is enthroned here in the room, in our life. His glory shines brightly in our souls and for others to see. Also, it opens into our lives many other blessings from God. It truly does. It opens into our lives when we give God the glory and the praise that is due His name. It opens up many other graces and blessings into our life. As I said before, just simply put, there is power in praise. When you give God the praise that He is due, that He is worthy of, we experience other graces and blessings. And lastly, it is revealing the will of God that will be accomplished. Jesus has already taught us how to pray. Thy kingdom come. The kingdom is coming. It was proclaimed that the kingdom was coming. It came in Jesus Christ. It is coming through the work of the church today. And it will come in fullness one day. But the kingdom is coming. When we praise that, when that is our doxology, we are praying and praising what is going to be, what has been and is being, and is going to be accomplished upon the earth someday. The kingdom is coming, and it's coming through His power, and the earth will see His glory. For yours is, the Scripture says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That could also be worded from the Greek Because of you, there is a kingdom. Because of you, there is glory. There is power forever. Amen. For yours is, Father, the kingdom. That means He has the right to rule as Creator and Redeemer of the universe and mankind. He has the right to rule. I do not have the right to rule even my own life as a Christian, as a child of God that's been called out but He alone has the right to rule. When you say, for yours is the kingdom, you're saying, God, you deserve the praise and not me today. You deserve the glory and not me today. Yours is the power and not my power today. I am only here in taking my next breath. My heart beats one more time only by your hand, only by your design. Yours is the kingdom. You rule today, Lord Jesus. Yours is the power. We're saying that He alone has the power to rule heaven and keep earth and also hold His people in His righteous right hand. I can't even hold my life together. It is His power. It is His glory. He keeps me in His righteous right hand and nothing can pluck me out of His hand. His is the kingdom, His is the glory, or the power, and His is the glory. We're saying that He alone deserves and will receive the honor from the power of His ruling kingdom. He will receive the glory. 
And if he will receive it, he should receive it now in our lives and through our lives forever. God alone holds time in his hands and he will rule and reign eternally. And his people, here's the glorious part, his people by grace and through faith will rule and reign with him. Wow, what an amazing thing that we will dwell with this God who has an eternal kingdom, who has unsearchable power, in which we will see His unending glory forever. We will experience that eternally. What a mighty thing. Amen and amen. Verse 13 ends with the amen. We must stamp or seal our prayer of praise with amen. Amen means let it be. Let it be so, mighty Father, giver of life, giver of eternal life, giver of abundant life. Let all this be. Amen. Let it be, Lord Jesus Christ. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. In the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, Jesus has taught us how to pray here on earth by teaching us to know who we're praying to, our Father. He has taught us where His glory is fully revealed, and that is in heaven. He has shown us that we should pray for His name to be set apart as holy and reverence. We've been taught to pray for the kingdom to come, for all other nations and kingdoms to crumble, for the end to come and His kingdom to be established forevermore. We've prayed for His will to be done in and through our lives here on earth, and His will is fully revealed in heaven. We have been taught to ask for our daily needs, our daily bread, because we are children in need of the Father's aid from the golden shores of heaven. We must also ask daily, taught by the Lord, for our sins to be forgiven as He gives us strength to forgive those that have wronged us and done evil against us. Also, He has taught us to pray that we would not be overtaken by temptation, that we'd be given a way of escape from temptation and strength to not return to the foolishness of sin that we have repented of. We've been taught to pray by the words of the Lord Jesus that Satan, the roaring lion, would be chained and unable to destroy the people of God. And then because of all this, that Jesus taught us how to pray, we praise Him because He is eternal, because He is powerful, and because He has a ruling kingdom that we, His children by grace, are citizens of. And it is coming, and it will last forever and ever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Oh.